You're listening to the Live Well Radio Podcast Show. A wealth of information for a life of inspiration. And here's your host, Brett Coleman. Today is Soulful Sunday. And if you're into health and fitness for your mind, body, and soul, you're in the right place at the right time. Because we have a great show lined up for you today with certified yoga instructor, Seth Nichols, here from Anthem, Arizona, to help us talk about different types of yoga and the benefits it has to offer us. I brought Seth on the show because of his knowledge and his experience. Seth, how are you doing, buddy? Hey, Brad, I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Are you in pigeon pose right now? <laughs> I just got out of pigeon pose, my friend. <laughs> hey, congrats on being a new dad, by the way. When's your due date? Thank you so much. September 18th, baby girl. Nice. You're going to be that cool, hip dad that all the kids go to school and hang out with your kid. They meet you and they're going to go home and tell their parents, why can't you be like Mr. Seth? You're going to be that dad. Just like you, Brett. Yeah, I know about that. Let me ask you this. Does yoga make you cool or do you make yoga cool, Seth? I don't know. You know, what's funny actually is it wasn't, you know, it's grown in popularity so much over the past 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, But what's funny is like when I started, it was, uh, there was a few guys doing yoga, but it wasn't, I guess it wasn't cool, so to speak. And I was, I was living with a bunch of guys, um, in Santa Barbara at the time. And, uh, I would put my yoga mat and I'd like fold it up and put it into my backpack and, uh, and ride off to class. Cause I didn't want to tell them I was doing yoga. Cause it wasn't, wasn't cool at all back then. How long were you doing yoga before I said, look, I want to be an instructor teaching this yoga stuff. So, and I never, Truly, I never really had a moment where I was like, oh, I want to do this as a profession. Uh, but I, I started practicing in about two, 1999, 2000, right about there, when I graduated from college. And then I started teaching in about 2005. So 13, 13 years ago. Yes. Basically, I've gone on sabbatical uh, a couple of times. Uh, I, did, I took two years off from about 2008 to 2010 to focus on a book that I wrote. And I've taken, I opened a studio at one point and took a little time off after leaving the studio. Um, but yes, essentially, you know, couple, couple breaks in the past 13 years, but it's been my main gig for the most part. That's neat. So the style of yoga you teach, it is called vinyasa? Correct. What does that mean? It translates to linking. If the literal translation, it means to put a specific order. So it's derived from the Sanskrit language. And uh, so it can be interpreted in several ways. The key component to vinyasa yoga is breath. So it's about linking uh, breath to movement, but it's also about linking movement to movement. So a series of specific poses. So I did Bikram, you know, Bikram, you, they, they, they turn the room up to like 245 degrees and you're in that room and you sweat for over an hour, you did different poses and you leave the room. And I think you lost about, you lose about 25 pounds in sweat and water, but I did that for about a month and I actually enjoyed that. Uh, it was neat. It's different experience. Some people don't like it because of the heat. Have you ever done the, have you ever taught Bikram? I took one Bikram class and that was enough for me to know that I, it wasn't the style of yoga for me. They do a, they do a set sequence of, uh, of 20, whatever it is, 20, six poses or some 56 uh and so and they, so it's always the same poses uh 
And so the style that I teach is, is more kind of spontaneous. So, but yeah, the whole, the whole Bikram and there's been a lot of, uh, sort of spinoffs of the hot yoga, which is super popular right now. And, and it's nice for people. Uh, I mean, it's good, especially as a business model, it's really good because you're, you can train people really easily to teach it. And it is, it, it's really effective that way. But just for my personal practice, it wasn't quite what I was looking for. Gotcha. And then, and another one is a Kripal, am I saying it right? Kripalu, Kripalu yoga. Mm-hmm. I'm not actually super familiar with that style. Um, but there are, um, I mean, the main, really the main style, which you, you have hot yoga, which is kind of variations of Bikram. But a lot of the vinyasa, the style that I teach is now, um, they do it in a hot room. Um, and they also do a set, a set sequence, but different from the Bikram sequence. But there's really, vinyasa derives from a style called Ashtanga. Uh, so most of what in what we have now in, in the modern culture is kind of der- derives from Ashtanga. And then also there's another style called Iyengar. Uh, and that's not quite as popular, especially here in Phoenix. It's not, it's not something you come by quite as often. Um, but Hatha yoga is also kind of, it's another name. It's kind of very similar to Vinyasa. Um, but yeah, but most of the, and then there's, there's, it's a style called Anyasara, which is more of a derivative of Ashtanga. But basically, to keep it somewhat simple, most of the modern yoga comes from Ashtanga and Iyengar. You know, they say Kripalu actually uh, focuses on meditation and breath work, and it's like inward focus on spiritual attunement. But I, I thought that most yoga is like that, isn't it? Well, yes. Um Yes, for sure. I mean, that's, that's what I say. There's just kind of different names, you know, different, um, but it's kind of all, it's, it's very similar um, as far as that. And that is, but that's the key. What makes yoga different from other forms of ex- exercising is the aspect of breathing. That there, there's the focus, there's an inward focus, and there's an emphasis on breath. So when you go do, you know, if you go lift weights or something, there's not, there's not so much an emphasis on inhaling and exhaling with a specific movement. And especially in other like cardiovascular type things, running, cycling, the point is they, those are anaerobic exercises where the whole point is to kind of lose control of your breath. It's to to amp up your breath and lose control of it. But the whole point is there's an inward focus and there's a, there's a controlled breathing. Now there is different, there's many different variations of breathing so for different styles, they do have kind of different forms of breathing and breathing. That's called pranayama is the term for that. But, um, but yes, that's what really distinguishes yoga from other forms of exercising is the emphasis on the inward focus and breath, controlled breathing. You think if you add meditation uh, with yoga, it increases your benefits psychologically, spiritually and all that? I think it certainly can. Yes. Um, that's, that, that is, you know, in its origin, that is the aim. Uh, certainly, though, much of how it's evolved in modern culture has, you know, again, it's become kind of a commodity, and that's not, I don't, it's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but there are, you know, there are many 
what they're called limbs of yoga. And the poses, that's, that's called asana, is only one of the eight limbs of yoga. So what we've kind of, what's happened in the West, and especially in the very recent history, uh, is there's a real emphasis on asana and less on the other aspects of yoga. So, so the fact of the matter is not kind of practicing or emphasizing those other elements. It doesn't, it's not like I'm going to do these shapes. The shapes are really arbitrary. The shapes are poses. It's really arbitrary. It's not like, hey, I'm going to go do pigeon pose. I'm going to go do triangle pose and become enlightened or have some kind of spiritual or psychological healing necessarily. Um, I will say, though, I do, I know, I believe that that working, you know, any form of physical exercise where, you know, it, you're releasing emotional uh, and kind of psychological uh, tensions that build up in our physical body. So any form of exercising, I truly believe, has a, somewhat of a spiritual release. Um, but again, that how, how it's evolved right now, you know, it's, a lot of those other elements aren't as emphasized. Gotcha. How many classes a week do you teach on average? Right now, I teach about eight classes a week. So I take I have two two days off, each five days a week, uh, and about eight classes. So I've I've, I've varied um, throughout the years. I've taught anywhere between you know about about seven or eight up at, up to about fifteen, and uh, there's just kind of a burnout. Uh, most of my the classes that I teach are are mostly an hour and a half. Uh, it's a more suitable format for my style. Uh, so it's a lot of, so I'm putting out a lot of energy and I just don't, so to teach, to do that, I can do that twice a day, no problem. Uh, but to do it a lot more than that, there's just kind of a burnout that I experience. I can see that. I mean, that's hour and a half class, you know, eight times a week. I was a fitness trainer for a few years and I, and I had clients, you know, all day long at hour at a time. And after a while, I just felt like it was monotonous. And for them, it was a great benefit. For myself, though, it kind of wore them. Like you said, I kind of got burnt out on that. So how many days a week do you take yoga? So then that varies too. Uh, right now, I, I try to I practice maybe every other day. So about three times a week. Um, you know, I just turned 40 last summer. So, you know, when I was in my 20s, I would often practice twice a day. Uh, it's, and it's, it's just, it's kind of what... You know, I, it's fortunately, I don't a lot of that kind of kind of energy, um, you know, in any good way, I don't have a lot of that maybe, you know, stressful energy that I needed to burn off uh, so much as, you know, so, so definitely you know, I'll say for anybody, you know, to be, you know, that's part of the mindfulness too. It's not what we need when we're in our twenties and our thirties and our, not the same as what we need in our sixties, seventies or eighties, but this is something that people can do throughout their lifetime. So, and it varies based on, you know, also on just my life schedule um and what's going on you know the more time i have of course the more time i'll dedicate to practicing uh, but right now it's about let's say three or four times a week i just did a math on that so 40 years old having a baby in september it's got to be great for your sex life then <laughs> right <laughs> yeah 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 it's got to be so that's that's a huge benefit besides the sex drive uh what other great benefits have you gotten you personally personal benefits you've seen from doing yoga for the last 13 years the most important thing that's come from my teaching yoga is the relationships that I have. And again, it's, you know, I know, you know, yoga, it could, yoga has just been the vehicle. It could be pretty much anything. I, I suppose. I mean, there's some people, 
a lot of people take their first class, like myself. I took my first class and I was like, this is amazing. I really want to do, I want to do this and learn this. And, and it felt awesome. And there's, I, I think yoga has become so popular because a lot of people have that response, but not everybody. And that's fine. But what's been wonderful is everything, all of my relationships in my life, for the most part, my current relationships, all one way or another derive from yoga. Um, so it's, it's about that community aspect. And that's the nice thing about, you know, back many years ago, yoga was taught between a teacher and a student. It was like done one-on-one. And of course now it's more of a group thing. Um, but that community, community vibe and the relationships that come from it uh, is truly what I me the most, I would say. Did you meet Caitlin taking yoga classes? I did actually. I, uh, she was teaching at a studio down in Scottsdale and this was a couple years ago. It was actually about, about this time two years ago. And I went, I was thinking about picking up a couple more classes. So, um, so I talked to the, to the manager at that studio and she said, Hey, you know, come on by, why don't you just take a class and see if you like the vibe here. And if it, if you want to teach here, sort of thing. She's like, Hey, you know, come, I'll give you some free classes or whatever. Just come on by. Uh, so the first class, no, maybe the only class I went to there was, um, was Caitlin. So yes, that's how we met there, uh, two years ago. And there's no competition. I mean, little to no competition. You're probably the only guy in class, one of very few. And now, and now here you are hitting on the instructor and then she has, and she says, yeah. So you, you had, you had a pretty good shot at that, didn't you? I did. The odds are, are stacked in your favor for sure. Uh, but I would, you know, I will say, so the, I've definitely seen a major shift, you know, as I was saying in the beginning of our conversation here back when I started about, you know, almost 18 years ago or so, it was, it was much less common for guys to be taking class or, or teaching class. Um, and the more kind of, the more you're in a city, you know, where, where we are in Anthem, it's still definitely a higher population of women. But when you go into Phoenix or Scottsdale or, or LA or New York for that matter, it's, it's way, you know, it's still a little more women, but it's way closer to 50%. I mean, the, the, the men are, are definitely um, are practicing a lot more now. And what's kind of ironic though is about a hundred years ago, a little over a hundred years ago, women weren't even allowed to do yoga in India. It was only a, only men were allowed to do it. So there's been that, that shift um, that's occurred the past, the past century, yes. Um, but, but surely when I went to my first class uh, back in Santa Barbara, uh, when I, that was, that was, it was not lost on me the, that, uh, you know, 20, whatever I was, 20, about 22 at the time, you know, spending a decent amount of time in bars and that sort of thing that you do at that age. And it wasn't lost on me when I went to my first class and thought, you know, no, like I there was maybe one other guy and about 20 beautiful women. And, you know, I, it, I realized pretty quickly that spending more time in yoga studio and less time in the, in the bar was, was going to be advantageous to my dating life. Don't you think from all your experience, there's people who are just born to do yoga, you know, body types. Although I think you had told me, a while back that you were not always as thin as fit as you are. Weren't you overweight at one point in your lifetime? No, that's not, I've never, I've always been thin, but I've, I mean, or, I'm not, I'm less thin now than I probably ever was, but, um, but I've always had kind of a, uh, you know, more of a medium build. 
Um, but I was not flexible at all. I mean, I couldn't, I didn't have any of that kind of natural account ability. Um, that, uh, you know, there's somebody, you know, I was, I was the kind of typical guy that couldn't touch his toes type thing. So I didn't have any of that innate, uh, and I didn't have any kind of, I, I grew up playing sports, uh, you know, soccer, baseball, tennis, ran cross country in high school, but I never had any kind of like dance background or anything that would, or gymnastics, anything that it's kind of similar to yoga. So, you know, it took me a while even as a, a part, like as a teacher, it's because I didn't have any of that real dance background, like just the sequencing, it did, I would say it didn't maybe come quickly to me. It came naturally at a certain point. It didn't come quickly. But to answer your question, I mean, truly, I feel like yoga is something that's accessible. It's, it's, it's accessible and should be accessible for everybody. I mean, that's the whole point. We all have, we all have a physical body that's basically the same. Um, in the sense that we have two arms, two legs, two hands, two eyes. But as far as size and stuff, and it, it, that varies, of course. But the whole point is to honor and have a relationship with our body. The point is it's to to learn and accept and nurture the innate intelligence in our physical body. So in that sense, it truly should be for everybody, um, accessible for everybody, and there, you know, in, in you've been to my class, uh, and you know, that the way that I teach, I teach a more, it's a more vigorous class. So certainly, the way my class is not a basics class, and it's probably not for everybody. You know, people that that are dealing with significant injuries or, or whatever it might be. It's that that, that my style. You know, vinyasa can be for them, but the way that I'm teaching vinyasa is much more vigorous. So it's more a matter of just kind of how it's being taught. But I, yeah, but yes, in essence, it is something that should be for everybody. That's what I was going to ask you. So, and you kind of answered the question, you touched on it. You know, a lot of times people have injuries and they're ordered by their physician uh, to do some rehab work. So your class sounds like it's not for rehab, but are there types of yoga that are good for rehab? The guy who hurt his back on the golf course who says, you know what, I just got to get this back back in shape. Or the guy who had a knee injury coming back from surgery, maybe not your class, but are there other types of yoga that could be uh, beneficial for somebody going through rehab? Most definitely. Um, and there's, there's like a restorative yoga that's the style that they do with, they use a lot of props like blankets and blocks and bolsters and that sort of thing. And it's about, uh, it's all done on the floor. It's all passive holding of poses. So you do very gentle poses using the props to support your body and you hold the poses for anywhere from maybe, you know, typically it's about three to five minutes. Um, but that type of, restorative it's also called yin there's a slight difference but they're very similar um restorative and yin are great for say an aging population or someone that's recovering from an injury what's the oldest person you've had in class i don't think i've had anybody in their 80s but i've definitely i've had people can practice consistently with that that are in their 70s as far as weight loss i know it's not you know it's not set up for weight loss but it can be used in conjunction with uh, a weight loss program, couldn't it? Absolutely. And I don't, 
I don't know that this is uh, anatomy and physiology and some of that. I don't have that kind of educational background, so to speak. Uh, but but it's my understanding that does, yoga doesn't burn a ton of calories. But I've seen the most dramatic weight losses, even from people just doing yoga, where I know that, that, that I mean, I've talked to people, people that I that I know that have lost dramatic 150 pounds. I've seen people, and that's kind of to your earlier question about is it for everybody, and that's where it's like, yeah, if you're 300, 150 pounds overweight, it's not going to be easy for you, but neither is probably walking to get the mail. But, but if people stick with it and, again, honor – the innate intelligence in their body and respect where they are if they stick with it. I mean, so I've seen people lose crazy amounts of weight, weight just, just from doing yoga. So I think a lot of that probably comes more from just a greater awareness and a greater maybe acceptance of their body that they're not, that they do yoga. They have more kind of physical awareness, their energy gets lighter and, and, more vibrant and that they tend to then kind of fix other areas like their diet or stuff becomes just all, it's kind of that spiral upward type thing where other things fall into place uh, or, or they're motivated to change. But, you, but yes, I've seen people lose tons of weight just from practicing yoga. And then do you think it has a bigger effect on your mind or your body from your, your personal experience with your own body and mind? Um, I would say more so my, on the inside, all of the my psychology and my emotional well-being and everything, I would say. I mean, it would be if I wasn't practicing, and, and I like to do other things, too, and I like to hike, and I've done triathlons, and I, I like to be physically active. But, but I don't, you know, being 40 years, I don't feel like a lot of people probably feel at 40, I suppose, or how I see people at 40. So there's definitely been the physical benefit. I feel like I've kind of more so just gained what I already had physically. Um, but really, I, you know, when I was starting practicing, I was at a point in my life, just gra- graduated college. And I don't know whether, uh, you know, whether it was kind of like an early midlife crisis or an existential crisis or what you want to call it. But, uh, I just, I, I, there was, I felt a void at that point And, I started reading a lot of kind of psycho spiritual books you know, a lot of that kind of self-help stuff that's out there. And some of it's, some of it's amazing. Some of it's a little foo-foo, but I, I started being an English major. I, I got into it from books and, and then I started reading more kind of serious Eastern philosophy type stuff. So it was more that aspect that drew me into the kind of physical practice. So that's where, that's where my needs and my desires were at that point in my life. I had, you know, just without getting in great depth, but you know, I had graduated from a really good college and had really good grades. And I, it was one of those situations. I mean, and kind of in light of the recent events this past week where we see people that are, that are, you know, taking their life that seem to have everything going for them. And I wasn't at, I wasn't at that point, but, but I was at a point where I was just like, I'm kind of doing, I'm kind of, I'm succeeding in ways that, Aren't fulfilling. Uh, the, the, and I wasn't fulfilled. So that's really, it was that, it was the need to find something, um, something more meaningful. So anyway, that's where, that's where I came to it from that angle. And I would say it's definitely, it's definitely, I mean, I'm not, I'm not 
I'm, I'm not the same as I was 20 years ago in that way at all. Is yoga your passion? Yeah, I would, yeah, it's, uh, it is, it's, you know, and again, I would, it's, it's really, I, I really would say it's, it's about the relationships and it's about, and at this point I have the experience of practicing and teaching, but, but ultimately it's used, it's about the, the relationship with people and the sharing energy and doing something that makes people feel better and that people to that class, you know, whether it's the short term, you know, whether it's just, Hey, they come into that class and at the end of in you know, in 90 minutes, they feel better. They feel more alive, you know, and then, and, and also on a longer term, you know, whether it's they lose, they lose weight, they feel better physically, whatever that, whatever, whatever they get from it over the long term, and it's sharing that positive experience. So truly there was a point, especially probably about 10 years ago where I was absolutely obsessed with yoga. I think to the practicing and all, I didn't want to talk about anything other than yoga. My whole, it was my whole life. And, and, and that's not even healthy, but that's just where, and I, I see, I see people go through it. It's kind of, you know, I see a lot of people and it's great. You know, they, that's not the, you know, that's not the point of yoga. Ultimately it's, it's about detaching from any obsession and, and including yoga. Okay, so how long can you go? How long can you go now without taking a yoga class and feel like you're going through withdrawals? Um, a couple of weeks, maybe. You could walk by the yoga room, studio, I should say, at the gym, and not even think about going in it for two weeks. Yeah, I could probably. Yeah. Okay, that's good. And that's healthy, then, right? Yeah, I think so. I think it it feels a lot better than than again that need to that obsession. Because there was a point before in your life you couldn't do that. You couldn't go how. How long before you feel like okay, I get I get to get back in the studio? How how long ago was it back then? Um, I mean, yeah, about ten years ago. I mean, yeah, I couldn't. I wouldn't. I would. I would prioritize it. And now, you know, I, I would. You know, even if there were, I, I would do as little other things in my day, so to speak, so that I could spend more time teaching and practicing yoga. And now I'm more capable to to use my free time to do other things whether that's talk to you, whether that's to uh, have breakfast with a friend or, or whatever that might be, I'm, or, or do, be, do responsible adult things that I need to do, you know. Uh, and, but there was definitely a time when it would, you know, I wouldn't let anything else kind of, I wouldn't fill my schedule with anything other than practicing and teaching. Right, because then if you didn't take the class, then it's going to affect your lifestyle. If like you're going through withdrawals, like somebody took something away from you. So you felt probably like a little void again. Absolutely. And that's where, you know, and, 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 uh, and that's like any addiction and that's like with any addiction and we could probably save this for a whole nother topic, but any, any type of, um, you know, it's uh, with addictions, it's about kind of replacing something, a worse addiction with a less worse addiction. And I see this all the time as an instructor too, where you see, a lot of people, you know, you're, you're doing something that's a, you know, working in a healing art. So you see people coming in with pain or with problems. Not everybody, but you see it a lot. And, and you see people, you know, whether it's the, a relationship that they are having in a bad relationship or broke up with somebody, that, that they'll use yoga to fill that void. And, and I see that as in the short term, that's a wonderful positive step. But in the long term, it's, it's just, it's the same behavior manifesting itself differently. 
So it's less, you know, if you have a heroin addiction, that's going to be more troubling and, and, and disruptive to your life than a yoga addiction. But ultimately, people that, that obsess on exercise or yoga, it can have negative consequences. All right, before I let you go, I have to ask you about this. You said you wrote a book. What was that book about? So I wrote a book. I, you know, I, as I said, I was an English major. And one of my goals when I was 20 years old, having my existential crisis was I really wanted to learn yoga and I wanted to write a book. So I was writing a lot at that time. I was kind of trying to learn how to write because I wasn't a creative, uh, creative writing major. I was more like doing critical analysis when I was in school. So anyhow, in 2000, I wrote a couple of screenplays when I lived in Santa Barbara, but I did that more just to kind of learn. I had no intention of doing it for a living. I just wanted to kind of learn. It's a very structured format. So I wrote two screenplays in Santa Barbara. And then in 2010, uh, about eight years ago, it was the summer of July of 2010, I started writing a book of fiction. And basically the book is, it's about love, loss, recovery, uh, you know, about relationships, that sort of thing. And I took I, there's yoga. I use yoga as a backdrop to frame the narrative, but it's not necessarily, the book is not about yoga, but I just, because it was something that I knew I used that to help frame the narrative. What'd you title that book? The title of the book is called surface to air. And I wrote it for, took about two, I wrote it for two years. I wrote full time. I mean, I would basically sit down, sit down at the computer about, you know, 10 in the morning, no later than that. You know, I do my coffee, do whatever in the morning, sit down, write pretty much. Even if I didn't, couldn't write, I would force myself to just sit in front of that computer till about five or six at night. Uh, and I did that for two years. And the book is, it's, I published it on, uh, on Amazon. Surface to Air is the book. Yes. Okay. The next question I was going to ask you is the top three things you've done that you're glad you accomplished in your lifetime at this point. Was that book on that list? Most definitely. Okay, that's one. Two more. I was, when I was 18, no, not even 18, so right before my 18th birthday, seven, 17 years old, my friend and I moved from Chicago to Santa Barbara where I wound up going to college. So we got packed up a rider truck, drove across country, um, and I, I still look at that as one of my biggest accomplishments and something that's kind of shaped, shaped who I am as an adult, um, that move. And the third thing. God, I don't mean, I, even, I don't have the baby yet, but I'd say making this baby and, and having a baby on the way is. Being Seth, the baby maker, that's got to make that top three for sure. Got to be close to the top three. If, if, if. Absolutely. Wait till you have it. Changes your life. Let me ask you this. Three things you three things you have yet to accomplish when you're sitting on the rocking chair at the beach. You're 85, 90 years old. You said, I'm glad I got these three things finished. Aside from you just told me, what three things are on the on the on the to-do list? Well, I would I mean, I'll, I guess I'll start in reverse order. I mean, I would like to be uh hopefully a grandparent at that point, or at the very least have raised a beautiful daughter who who you know, uh, I've done everything I can for and is well-adjusted adult at that point. So I'd say that's going to be the most important. That's, that's my focus right now. Uh, and I would, 
I would like to teach for at least another 25 years. Right now, my goal is to teach until I'm 65. And I would also like to write another book. So at some point, I don't have, a, I don't have an exact topic or, or that sort of thing yet, but I, I, do, I, I do have a desire to write another book. That's a good list. Now let me ask you one more question. Your life was a song. What genre would it be? Uh, it would be, uh, it would be probably, I mean, I'm a, I'm a child of the nineties, you know? Um, so, and I grew up listening to rap music and, but, and, but with all the alternative and everything that happened, uh, during, during my childhood or kind of adolescent years, I would, I would have to go with, uh, kind of modern rock alternative. Perfect. Can people find you? And if they can, how? Uh, I don't have a website. Put that on your list. <laughs> yeah, that'll be my fourth goal. Uh, I'm, I, and I'm not super active on social media, but I do. I, I live in obviously in a in an era where we can't we can't resist uh, or or deny social media. So I am on, you know, like I'm on Facebook and uh, I don't do Twitter, but I, I'm on, I have Facebook and. Uh, and Instagram. So I can be found. I have a yoga page. It's called Vinyasa on both Instagram and Facebook. That's it? Vinyasa? Vinyasa, V-I-N-Y-A-S-A. So I can be found on on either one of those. On my Instagram, there's a a space or whatever you call it before the first, before the V. You send us how people can find you because this podcast will be will be going out to thousands of people. And I'm sure there's going to be a handful that have some questions about yoga. There's probably people who thought about doing yoga or maybe had a different experience than what you just shared today. They want to reach out, pick your brain on a couple topics. We'll make you accessible to our listeners. Uh, just send me how they can send us the link, how they can find you. We'll include that with this podcast when we launch it. And we'll also send it out on our monthly newsletter. Hey, Seth, you got to run. We have to fly. It was great chatting with you. We're going to have you back on the show. You know that. Yeah, but I'm looking forward, Brett. To, I, want, I want to interview you. How about that? That's fine. We'll do, we'll do that. It'll be a good time. All right, buddy. Tell Caitlin we said hello. Have a great, great weekend, and we'll catch up. See you at the gym. Okay, thanks, Brett. All right. All right.